Schwab Trading is now powered by Ameritrade to give you a new, elevated trading experience tailor-made for trader minds. Go deeper with Thinkorswim, the powerful, award-winning trading platforms now at Schwab. Unlock support from the Trade Desk, our team of passionate traders who live and breathe trading like you do. And sharpen your skills with an expanding library of online education crafted just for traders. All designed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Oil is lower, along with the Dow and the S&P 500 index. NASDAQ is higher. Let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. Here he is, Bill Maloney. Good afternoon, Charlie. The Dow and S&P are lower today, giving up early gains. With the Dow currently lower by 61 points, S&P's dropped six, but the Nasdaq is higher by 10. Over in Europe, stocks gain led by technology, telecom, and the financials. The FTSE 100 rose 1.1%. Back in the U.S., the small cap 600 is higher by a point, and the U.S. 10 yield at 1.39%. Six out of 10 SV sectors are lower, led by losses in utilities, energy, and telecom. Technology led. Dow Transports gained 26, Nasdaq Biotech's rise 12, and the VIX is higher by 3%. Dow leaders to the downside included Chevron, ExxonMobil, and Verizon, while Intel, Goldman Sachs, and Visa led to the upside. Humana plunged as much as 11.9% intraday on reports that Aetna is said to meet with the DOJ tomorrow about their Humana deal, while First Solar fell 10%. Shares were cut to hold from buy over at Deutsche Bank. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie? All right. Hey, thank you very much, Bill Maloney. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk, S-Q-U-A-K on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Spending for prescription drugs continues to rise. What does this mean for the federal government and for Medicare and Medicaid? Brian Rye is senior health care policy analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence's government team, and he joins us now from Washington, D.C., home to Bloomberg 99.1 and to 105.7 HD2. Brian, thanks for being with us. Just outline exactly the battle over the rising cost of brand name drugs. 
Well, certainly both um, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and several other Democrats have made it a hot topic this campaign season. And it, the issue is they want the government to have greater authority to help negotiate and influence the cost of prescription drugs in the U.S. And it's been frustrating at the federal level because Republicans control Congress and they really haven't wanted to pursue that, uh, that, that avenue. And so what we've seen is an increasing level of interest at the state level where states are essentially saying, well, if nothing's going to happen in Washington, we're going to try and take matters into our own hands. And one potential issue coming up this, uh, this November on the ballot is, uh, is in California, where Proposition 61 uh, aims to try and address that problem. Tell us a little bit more about what that proposition would do and how does it dovetail, complement, or maybe even uh, be at cross purposes what's with what is on the books at the federal level? Sure. Um, well, the proposition essentially says that, you know, any state agency within uh, California, uh, their Medicaid program, for example, Medi-Cal, uh, and other agencies, you know, whatever price they pay for uh, for their drugs could be no higher than what the Department of Veterans Affairs pays. And why is that important? Well, the VA is actually able to negotiate drug prices uh, themselves, something that the government can't do uh, with the Medicare prescription drug program, and that's a key difference. Now, why does it sound simple enough? Well, why, does, why isn't that? a good deal, what's the catch? The potential catch is that you're able to get those lower prices by essentially being able to exclude drugs from those formularies. And so the the response from the industry is like, well, you can have lower prices, but then you won't have access to a lot of the, especially the newer innovative drugs that are coming on the market. And so that's the battle that's going to play out uh, between the two sides uh, heading up to November. A couple of data points, uh, taking a look at prescription drugs, I understand that Payers and the government programs, as well as uh, the private uh, uh, sector, spent a combined $310 billion last year on prescription medicines. Does that, does that sound about right? It does. You know, it's, you know, Medicare, Medicare, Medicare is about half that between the Part D and the Part B programs for the various drugs that they cover. Uh, it's, it's a growing part of the healthcare uh, system, but frankly, you know, everything is a growing part of the healthcare system uh, these days as growth, growth picks back up in hospital spending and other areas. But certainly, you've seen a lot of new drugs come on the market in the hepatitis C space, and a lot of the controversy that Democrats have pounced on has had to do with some older drugs where there's really no ge- generic competitor. There's drugs been acquired, and you've seen price spikes in those as well. Well, you know, you uh, noted at the outset that uh, it's been tough for those who want to change the system as it is to make progress at the federal level, and you note that pharmaceutical and biotech manufacturers have largely dodged more direct involvement from the feds in D.C., do you, can you talk, talk to us anything about uh, lobbying, about uh, to what extent this is just the result of, 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 you know, lobbyists with deep pockets who have been, you know, backing some of the Republicans who have stood in the way of this? Well, certainly, you know, it's in their interest uh, to, to not have the government um, involved in these negotiations. I would say it's also something that the health insurers who are on the other side of the negotiating table, frankly, they won't, they don't want the government involved in there either. They believe they can get better deals uh, for their customers uh, than if the large central uh, federal government uh, were involved in that process. But you're right. You know, this goes back to when the 
Medicare prescription drug program, the Part D program, was created back in 2003, it specifically prohibits the government uh, from interfering in those negotiations between drug makers and insurers. And so that means an act of Congress is required to change that. This isn't something that a president, whether President Obama or potentially a President Clinton, uh, could change on their own. And again, since Republicans control right now, at least both the House and the Senate, that's been a pretty effective stumbling block to get anything done. As far as the actual cost to individuals, uh, the average patient's out-of-pocket cost has gone up more than 25% since 2010 to about $44 per prescription. For generic drugs, of course, uh, it's remained about uh, 8%. Is there a reason why we're seeing this pickup in branded pres- uh, prescriptions? Is that is that because, as you described, there are these new formulations? Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of newer innovative drugs that have come on the market for a number of diseases, whether they're in the cancer space or hepatitis space, uh, for example. And, you know, the, the brand name manufacturers certainly are happy to, to give, give out coupons, other things to incentivize their patients not to use the generic versions if one exists. Um, and so that, that's been an effective way uh, for them to, uh, to avoid that. And, again, if some of these newer drugs, if they, if they are, in fact, new, then it's not quite time for a generic competitor to come on because the patents haven't expired. Brian Rye, what an interesting uh, development. He can't make progress at the federal level, changing some parts of Medicare and drug pricing. Well, go to the states, California, leading the way there. He, Brian Rye, we thank you so much for joining us today. Senior health care policy analyst, part of our Bloomberg Intelligence government team in Washington, D.C. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. This is Bloomberg. Coming up on Taking Stock, White Wave. It is being swamped by Danone. It's boosting its U.S. business with a $10 billion acquisition of White Wave. We'll tell you about the food maker next. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams-Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.